Ralph Waldo Emerson said, In my walks, every man I meet is my superior in some way, and in that, I can learn from him. This means every single person you've ever interacted with has done something slightly different than every single other person, and therefore has something to teach you, and you, my friend, have something to teach them. This means every conversation you have is both a chance to learn something and a chance to make an impact. Every room full of people you walk into is both a library and your stage. And the better you get at getting to know people, the value they each inherently bring, and how to share it with others, the greater the impact you can make on the world. My name is Pablo Gonzalez, and I've created a system called the Relationship Flywheel, designed to create impact through relationships at scale. And this podcast is a living document of how to do it. So hit subscribe right now. If you want to learn how to get to know people, get them to know you, and build a world-class network. Some episodes will be interviews, some episodes will be regular calls with people building rapport, and some will be tactical advice to teach you how to build your own relationship flywheel and achieve anything you want. Now smash that subscribe button and let's get connected. I would like for this to, Esar is moderating, right? So he's going to be keeping track of Q&A. He has full license to interrupt me as he normally does when we're in meetings. So don't don't worry about adding adding questions. I the, the more that this is an interactive thing, the better for you. Awesome, right? Like I'm here to serve. I'm here to provide value. So please, if you need contextualization, you have something that could be added. Plenty of great content creators in here. I'm looking at you, Juan. I'm looking at you, Nathan. You know, right? Like there's there's tons and tons of great, great content creators in here and community organizers. So if there's anything that you want to add in here, I'm happy to add it to, to this presentation here as we're talking about it. So please bring the questions. After I finish um, speaking, there's going to be a Q&A where we're going to just run through Q&A. And then there's going to be a little exercise that hopefully will add a little bit of value to your life and it'll help you take the next step in applying some of these concepts. So again, ESAR is my business partner. We are the co-founders of Be The Stage. We're a content marketing agency and we got this one really great trick that that, that, that we've been pulling off that's working really, really well. Thank you for being part of this AIT thing. And again, this is turning your content into community with a relationship flywheel. And the first question is the, the obvious question, right? Why community, right? Like there was there was a survey, everybody in there, most people said community is part of is is a big part of your business. Please put in the chat why is community an integral part of your business? What are you seeking to get out of community? What does community mean to you? Right? Like why community? Just let me know in the chat and I'll and I'll give you my why. I, about seven years ago, my brother lost his uh, battle to pancreatic cancer. And I, after the two, you know, really roughest years of our life, my family's life, I looked around the church and there was 1200 people just packed in standing room only. It was an incredible sight to see. And in my sorrow and in my pain, right, I have, I've heard somebody say in the, in the darkest moments, you have your greatest clarity, right? In that pain, it hit me that the people around me, the people packing into this church are my community. And while I grew up Catholic, typical Hispanic guy, I always had my druthers with the Catholic church. But at that moment, I looked around and I thought, I can never leave this, right? Like this community that has insulated us and protected us and supported us throughout this, no matter what I think of the institution here, I can't leave this community and this value that's been given to us in our darkest moment of like supporting us is the greatest value that that one can be offered. And immediately my brain just started going reticular activator and thinking, man, if this is so valuable, is this a business model, right? Like is, is community what organized religion does? And and I just started looking about it, looking at it everywhere. And I started, you know, pulling together the idea that, and you know what, if somebody buys a Harley Davidson, they can't buy a Honda motorcycle two years later because they'll lose their friends, right? Like once you're part of a community, it's much harder. It's much harder to leave, right? There's, you can't, you don't churn out of your community as quickly as you churn out of a product, out of a subscription service, out of whatever it is, right? So I I really have dedicated the last seven years of my life, you know, not on purpose at first, but now I do realize it's, it's, it is very much in honor of my brother 
but I've dedicated the last seven years of my life of cracking this code of community creation for business development. And it started off as being a skillful networker because I created a bunch of nonprofit groups and stuff like that. I started off talking about networking and the importance of community. And, 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 and then at some point I realized, man, content is content is like networking on steroids, right? Like content is the scalability of, of, of being able to create relationships. So how do we tie all the stuff in from the things that I had learned in creating these different young professional groups for charities that I then leveraged in a way to become a business developer for a hospital builder that I then became the, the VP of business development for a startup software here locally that sells to Amazon sellers, which is what brought me to, to Jacksonville from Miami. And at that point, we shifted into a more online model. And then as we, as we started peeling back the onion more and more on, on the content part of it, it just started, it just started unraveling in front of me. And it led to this, to this formula that we now, that we call the relationship flywheel, right? We've trademarked it. We own it. And, and, and it's, and it's how it all, all these pieces fit together to, to create exactly that, a flywheel for relationships. Anybody here familiar with Jim Collins's work, you know, in good to great, they talk about how all great businesses have a flywheel. Well, I believe that all businesses are relationship businesses. And if you're going to scale a business, you should be able to scale your relationships. So that's that's what we've created here. And I had this major aha moment a little bit before doing this presentation. That is, how do we isolate the difference between community creation and content creation, right? Because it gets muddled. People talk about like, their heads of communities and companies are really the Instagram manager, <laughs> right? And 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 it's and it's hard to delineate what it is. And I thought, ha, huh, I got this perfect case study for the last year or so, the year and a half. I ESR updated me a little while ago. Time flies when it's COVID. And for the last year, I've produced and you know run two podcasts, right? The Chief Executive Connector podcast and the Not Your Average Investor show. And that created this really, really great case study for us because Chief Executive Connector was started December 2019. I've published 115 episodes. I got 9,738 total downloads. All right, cool, right? Well, I don't know what that means, but Not Your Average Investor Show started end of December 2019. We've done 106 episodes, 7,483 total downloads. So, you know, kind of same time frame similar audience, similar amount of episodes, similar features, right? If, if we're talking about features versus benefits, similar features, same host, same kind of jovial attitude, however you want to call it, same you, using the podcast to repurpose and do different things, right? Same features, but not the same strategy. So it hasn't been the same benefits. These are these have so far been the benefits of the Chief Executive Connector podcast, 61 emails grown directly from the Chief Executive Connector podcast, two clients, revenue attributed directly to that podcast of 65K. Not bad, right? I think for, for an average content producer, not too bad. I'm happy with the results as like, you know, it pays for itself to have a podcast, right? I'm, I'm really doing it for the fun of it. I'm a networker. I believe in this content-based networking thing. So I really do enjoy doing it and I would do it for free, right? So the fact that it's a self-liquidating thing for me, that's great, but it doesn't feel as good when I compare it to what we've done for the Not Your Average Investor Show. 1,621 emails registered directly from the podcast, growing a Facebook group of 2,800 people in, a, in just over a year, landed 259 clients, and you know, a little modest revenue of $46 million generated from that channel. Now, that just made uh, that podcast just made my old podcast its bitch, right? So that's what just happened right there. So let's talk about what made them different, right? Let's, let, let's really figure this out. For one, it's a different business, right? JWB, who is the client that we produce this podcast for, is a turnkey rental income property investing company, right? So they have created this amazing system where they basically buy you a rental income property the way that you'd buy a bond. If you just come up with this uh, down payment, they will sell you a house on land that they acquired, that they build, that they manage, that they find you tenants, and then they manage your money and they teach you how to grow a portfolio. Sick product. I'm a marketing company that was, you know, for the first year, definitely finding its way. And then for the last year, really trying to figure out how to tell the story, right? Like I'm, I'm really just now starting to understand exactly what my unique selling proposition and is all this stuff. So 
Different business model, yes. And average transaction size for me, we generally take on clients between seventy five hundred to ten thousand bucks a month, right? So it's it's about a ninety to one hundred twenty thousand dollar a year thing. Not a very different average transaction size for JWB. JWB selling homes that are one hundred fifty to one hundred eighty thousand dollars. So it's more alike than you think, right? But the big difference, the really really big difference, is the deliberate application of this relationship flat wheel. And here, here's one graphic, and we're gonna. We're going to talk about it more, right? But the flywheel has three levels. It's got the value, it's got connections, and it's got content. And the way that it works is that if you can source value that you can provide to the people that you're trying to serve and co-create that value with them, then you can nurture connections while you are co-creating that value and you can magnify that through content. And when you're doing it well, you're just sitting in the middle curating a community. And I know that that's really, really abstract, but I'm going to, I'm going to describe now in detail what the differences were between my podcast, which was kind of like kind of this, but not really to this and really, and what's going on. Right. So at the center of it is a live talk show, right? Like having, having an internet talk show has just dawned on me the, the power of it, right? If we all think about, we're all content creators here to some level. And if we think about who's making money with content the best, we're going to think of, or like at least historically, right? Like things are changing these days, but we're going to think of the networks, right? We're going to think of the big radio networks and we're going to think of the big TV networks. Close your eyes and think about the level of programming that comes out of those TV networks and ask yourself, how much of that content are talk shows? It's a pretty large percentage, right? Like it's probably like 30, 40% of morning and, you know, 100% of late night is all talk shows. Why is that? It's because talk shows are relatively easy to produce, right? You don't need a staff of writers like for friends that are creating scripts and preordaining, blah, blah, blah. You need a couple writers to think of speaking points and think of, and some producers to book some guests. And then you have a guest and that's how you create the content. They're engaging, right? You see here, there's, there's the host is able to engage with a guest very intimately, have that one-to-one relationship. There, she's able to engage with the audience that is one-to-few, right? So there's two levels of engagement. And then over here on the TV, the host is able to engage one-to-many, right? So it's a really, really efficient way to grow relationships when you have this one strategic relationship, another level of strategy, and then a higher level of strategy that makes everybody feel like they're a part of it. It makes everybody feel like they own a different level of ownership. And that's the genius of the talk show. And nowadays, you know, TVs were able to do this because they had the distribution. Nowadays, you have the distribution, right? Like we all have the distribution. We These pipes are there ready to be filled that we can distribute for. So the, the big, big key difference in the delivery mechanism of Chief Executive Connector versus Not Your Average Investor Show is that we approached it as an internet talk show. And you're going to see why that is such an advantage, right? So let's talk value, right? This is the value stage of the flywheel. Number one, the value that you're trying to provide on your internet talk show is think about who you are trying to serve, Right? Think about your solution, right? What is your solution? What are you, whether it's a message, whether it's a product, whether it's a service, your solution in the mind of your consumer sits in, you know, an ecosystem of, of things that are tangentially related to that solution, right? Either things that they need before or things that they need after, ideas that they need to have had before, ideas they will have after, right? Like it's, it's one part of an entire ecosystem. It doesn't live by itself. So when you are thinking about, what value you're going to bring to that stage, you have to have the humility to know that your solution, your product, that's just one part of an ecosystem, right? That's one-to-one with both podcasts. I'm doing that on both, right? What I didn't do well in the Chief Executive Connector podcast is go as far as really identify that ecosystem, right? Figure out what are those content pillars that will provide that value. With JWB, right, rental income property investing in Jacksonville, we figured out that anybody that's going to do business with them needs to 
understand real estate investing, right? So real estate investing education, understand the different asset classes available for education, right? So your real estate money is going to compete with your Bitcoin money or your stock market money or your bonds money to a certain extent. So you got to understand where to slot it in the, in the different asset classes. They need to know if they're buying Swampland in Harry Knuckle, Florida. That's just real. Greg, our, our client didn't really see it at one point, but we knew that a content pillar had to do with the value of Jacksonville as an economy because you're buying an asset here for 30 years and you can't think that it's about to go get eaten by an alligator, right? <laughs> Real talk. And they need to know who's who's messing with their money, right? Like they need to know, they need to peel behind the curtain of, of who is running the company, right? That's interesting to people that are going to do this. And then they got to see who else is doing this, right? Like who else is taking this decision? Are they like me? Do they think like me? Do they have similar lifestyles, right? So those were JWB's content pillars for the Not Your Average Investor Show. And we very deliberately then at that point took inventory of their clientele, their network, people in their company, people in the community and people within arm's length of an invite that could fill those pillars. And we created a schedule of how often we would be talking about each thing. And we continually drove the idea of how many pillars can we fit into each guest, right? Like the winner is the client that's the ex-mayor of Jacksonville (laughs) that is also a real estate expert and has a bunch of other investments, right? Like that person can talk to all the value that their clientele needs, right? So, and you know, we don't have all those things in one, not the ex-mayor of Jacksonville and all that stuff, but we do thread that needle often when we're inviting people in. Second thing that we nailed that I didn't nail in the chief executive connector is the positioning. The ideal way to position your, your content stream is to name it after an ideal state or an intermediary state of your ideal client persona, right? In the Chief Executive Connector podcast, I made the mistake that many people make. I made it about me, right? Like, oh, I'm Pablo, I'm the Chief Executive Connector. Cool. Some people think that's cool, but nobody is really just like, oh, okay, I self-identify as a Chief Executive Connector because it's just something that I made up, right? With the Not Your Average Investor Show, we called it the Not Your Average Investor Show. Think about it. Anybody that's going to divert their money into turnkey rental income properties, as opposed to just going with their 401k, already sees themselves as a slightly different thinker as an investor. And we went through this, man. Like We really tried to identify it for a while. And we went from, why isn't it the rental property investing show? Good idea. The client would be the rental property investor show. He tuned into that. But you know, if we're trying to get the head of the Chamber of Commerce in Jacksonville to, to, to talk to us, they don't really identify as a rental property investor. But if you say, yo, you're not your average investor, you just, you know, you do a couple of this things here and that, like it's an easier thing to self-select into, right? So the perfect positioning for your content stream, for your internet talk show is either how your client wants to see themselves in the future or that intermediary step between being your client and who they are right now, right? So if you can do that, so people self-identify with it, that's winning the positioning game. Third, hook points. I don't know if y'all have ever heard of Brendan Kane. He, he was actually my first client ever. He wrote this book, uh, One Million Followers, where he made a mil- he gained a million followers in 30 days on an experiment. I took this from him, right? Like the importance of hook points in society is real. There is so much noise happening, right? Like there, we are inundated by attention grabbing things all over the place. You got to have your hook points correct. Right. Like you have to have the thing that draws people in before they're even going to pay attention to the second sentence. You need to get them on the first sentence. Right. So the hook points for us are reflected in the invite to what we're going to do, the title of what it's going to be called. Right. Like we started taking real, real time and really thinking, what are we going to call this thing? We're not just going to call this uh, investor with 10 properties comes to talk to us. It's how can Malene gained $5,000 in a month in income when he was 85 instead, you know, in from rental property investing, right? So now like somebody that's 85, someone that's old, some of the things, oh man, this asset class isn't for me, they're in, right? There's that hook point. And then we also take really, really special care for the email that invites people to join the show, right? Like the email that invites the audience to join the show, that headline, man, that's got to be airtight, right? Like you, you, you need to a great formula for headlines and for hook points is you think to yourself, I never thought I would say this, but blah. And then whatever comes out after that, based on whatever you're about to talk about, that's a really, really good headline. So you'll see this across. There's other people that do this kind of like strategy. Everybody that I talk to 
that headline on the invite for the event or the headline for the for the email that goes out is absolutely, absolutely crucial because if somebody doesn't open it, they're just not going to see it. We're going to talk more about hook points in the content section as well. And last but not least, it says invite to Zoom. I, you know, Zoom may not be the sexiest thing in the world, but we have continued to use Zoom over Restream, over StreamYard, over all these things for a very simple reason, the registration. The reason why I've only gotten 60-something emails out of my podcast is because somebody's got to listen to the podcast and then go to my website and give me their email. As opposed to on these Zoom calls, these Zoom webinars, people are putting in their information just to join. You all put your information in just to join this AirMeet stuff, right? So that is a brilliant lead capture mechanism that allows you to get the lead on the way in with a value aggregated thing. And now they're in your web. Now you can remarket to them. It's frictionless because you're not asking them to, you know, like give me your email for something weird. It's just everybody already accepts the fact that you have to put your email into a Zoom thing to like register, right? So whatever whatever platform you are going to, you're going to use, I would highly suggest that you value the registration link above being able to be everywhere, right? Like I know there's a lot of content producers here that go live. They go live on Facebook and they go live on YouTube and they go live all over the place. That's great. That's great. Until the algorithm changes and decides to screw you over, right? Like if you don't have your client's information, you're, you're not building this list, right? So everything else is just, it's just not, you know, it, it, it's not as effective, right? So it's great to have that exposure. Uh, a couple of tips for that, right? Oh, Another, another, another difference between me and JWB, they had a list coming in too, right? So easy for me to say, well, we're going to blast out emails to people and we're going to get more people into a Facebook group and whatever, because they already have emails. But at the end of the day, there's other tools that you can use to do this, right? Like I'm, I'm starting to see some, some smart podcasters go live in clubhouse because you get that organic distribution, right? You can do that too for your zoom call, right? Like you can still invite people via a Facebook event via a LinkedIn event. There's a platform called Hub right now that's really, really interesting. It's kind of like Clubhouse meets Eventbrite for events. It's done by the co-founder of LinkedIn and he ties it all into a blockchain thing so you're able to keep track of everybody. You can you can get all that organic distribution, meetup.com, Eventbrite, all that stuff, but you gotta get them to register on Zoom, right? Like at the end of the day, you know, no matter what you're doing, make sure that they're going somewhere where they got to log into it so that you get that email address, right? You can still get that organic distribution through social media, but just make sure that you're, you're, you're pulling them in for that. So we move on to connections, right? So now you've got the value piece set, right? Like you've got the light that brings the bugs to the, t- to the, to the table, or I don't know, that's, I'm just working on that one. May not do that again, but now what you're thinking about is the different connections that you can do on a internet talk show right? And there's four levels of connection. There's host to guest. That's that one-to-one relationship, right? Like that is that strategic partnership, that strategic relationship that you're trying to build. If you're a business owner, you've taken many people out to dinner. You've tried to grab coffee with a bunch of people. Why? Because you just need that one-on-one FaceTime, right? That's what that represents. I think that's pretty simple. As a podcaster, we're doing that, right? I'm doing that on the Chief Executive Connector Show. Anybody else that's holding... um hosting a constant stream, you're doing that as well. Then the next level of connection that you want to drive when you're doing a live talk show is host to the audience. How do you do that? Right. So, so first of all, value in that is because the host, you as a business owner, or for me, it's my client, right? Like whether six people show up, 16 people show up, 60 people show up, 600 people show up. All of those people feel like they just got an hour with Greg, right? They got an hour with him. He spent one hour, right? That is scaling your ability to build relationships one to few. And that's really, really important. That proximity, seeing somebody, right? Like being being in front of them. That that it's I believe the term is propinquity, right? The the more around something you are, the more familiar you are, the more comfortable you get around it. That's huge. And how do you engage the audience, right? The, the way that you engage the audience. It's one part MC, one part wacky AM DJ, right? Like you see people showing up. You saw me calling out anybody that I knew in the chat, right? That incentivizes people to, to, to start chiming in. Tell them, oh, where are you from? Tell me what does community mean to you? It, you know, like, like add to the chat. Always be trying to draw out participation. And the reason why is because anybody that shows up more than once 
you need to remember them, right? Like you need to come up with some kind of nick, give them a nickname, right? Like on the Not Your Average Investor show, there's a lady, Marilyn from Homosassa, Florida. And the first time she showed up, she's like, yeah, Homosassa, home of the manatees. So now every time she shows up, we're like, oh yeah. And I got a question here from Marilyn Cotterman from Homosassa, Florida. And Greg will be like, home of the manatees, right? Like giving people nicknames and giving people roles within it, give them ownership of the stage. And that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to like parse out little pieces of ownership of the stage in order for people to buy in to really feel like they got to be there because you're going to talk about them and they're going to see themselves in your content, right? Like that's part of the value of it for them, right? Then third, third level of connection is guest to audience, right? Many people love talking to their audience, love talking to their guests. You got to phrase the questions from people. I got five minutes left, you sir. All right. You got to phrase the questions from people like a warm introduction, right? Like you just don't take something like saying like, hey, what are the top three things of doing this? You say, oh, Esar is in the crowd. He's from Israel. He's a quintessential startup guy that scaled $100 million companies. And he's a jet fighter pilot. He's got this question, right? Like you you phrase it as a warm introduction to to the guest. So that way you feel like you are connecting them. And then finally, what people never think about is audience to audience, right? Like the idea that I can tell you know, Juan and Pratiti that they should talk because Pratiti's got this uh, content stream that's trying to show young people like the right way to, to grow up smart and to, and, and, and to be a proper person. And Juan has a content stream about being a gentleman and how to, uh, what a gentleman means. Right. So, so Juan would have great value for Pratiti to go on her show and tell young folks how to grow up as a gentleman and things of the sort, right. You want to be driving that to drive that community piece. And as long as you're doing those four things, then the content stuff's going to get good for you, right? Because now you're moving on to turning that one-hour interaction into a branded YouTube show, a 10 best minutes stuff on YouTube. You know, you take the audio, you turn it into a podcast. You take the the five best, like kind of like back and forth with the guests and you turn it into, you get it, right? Like you're multi-purposing it across all the different distribution streams contextually to it. And the key to making multi-purposed content is that you got to create a thumb stopping experience, right? People scroll the length of the Eiffel Tower every single day, right? So before when I was multi-purposing the Chief Executive Connector podcast, it was just audiograms. Nobody stops their Instagram feed or their LinkedIn feed for an audiogram. That's just real, right? How do you make thumb stopping experience? You get three shots at a hook point in your micro content, right? It's the first three seconds, Right. So instead of starting the the video, like at the beginning of the story, you start at the part where there's again, that's when I made my first million bucks. And then and then the logo comes in and then the story starts. Right. Because that's a chance to create that pattern interrupt. Then it's the headline. Right. So if the headline says you'll never believe how they made money and then it starts with that's when I made my first million bucks and then the logo comes in. Now there's two pattern interrupts that that can happen that make me stop. And third is the first line of the caption. Right. And if you, and again, think about it. I never thought I'd say this, but this guy made a million bucks selling chickens. Right. So all of a sudden you have those three things playing together. That's thumb stopping context. You got to do that. YouTube has its own formula for doing that. Podcast, not so much. Right. Podcast is a long form thing. Your emails that you sent out, your blogs to make them readable, all that stuff. You, you got to make people stop and like really want to digest it first. In order to do that, right? Like I'm telling you, oh, you got to make this thumb stopping content. That sounds super, super complicated. You got to create a process for yourself. Again, this is something that I that that we learned first from Luis and his brother Luis. Yes, they're both called Luis. They created an awesome formula. Isar and I have adapted our own formula, but it all really revolves around if you can take a video piece of content and get it transcribed into into written, and then from the written thing, you then decide what you're actually editing out. And then once you know what you're editing out, you create an organizational system where all the links of what you edit out is that you can write captions in that can then go to be distributed on your distribution system, right? Like the reason why that works is because it creates five different roles that as you start building capabilities, you can work yourself out from, right? Like you're able to scale yourself so that you can get out of the process and you're not doing everything. Originally, we were transcribing things. We would highlight kind of what needed to be cut out right? Within the highlight, you put in bold what I want the teaser to be in the content, right? You can write a note that has the headline and now your editor can go do it. Or you can then sit down and batch your editing and be much more efficient. Once you export it all, you put it into some kind of document. Luis developed this thing called the batch board where you have the the, the file name and then you have the headline that you want and you have the written thing that you want and the CTAs that you want, right? So you can just kind of batch everything or scale yourself out of it. You got to create a process. If you want to learn a great process, talk to Isar after this. He's really created an awesome one. Talk to Luis. I know he's got an incredible process as well. See them in the tables. Finally, 
you want to be pulling out Q&A content, right? Anybody here a, 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 a big a fan of Gary Vee as I am, right? Like the genius in what Gary Vee does is that he shows up, he does like a 20-minute keynote, and the rest is Q&A, right? So why is that good? Because anybody that follows Gary Vee knows that he talks about three things, content, empathy, and patience, right? And like maybe some hustle too, right? Um, he's got the same answer for everything. But since he has 50 different people asking him the question 50 different ways with the same answer, he's allowed to land that context across the board, right? So when we take Q&A content from the Not Your Average Investor Show, we put the person's name who asks it, and we put the question on the screen so that that way, even though Greg is kind of answering the same things over and over again, the question is different. So people can self-identify in it. And then the other magic is that we can tag the person that asked the question. So again, we're giving them a piece of the stage, right? If they can make it to the micro content, then it's worthwhile being on the Not Your Average Investor Show Live because then you're in the cool club. And the cool club is one of the most powerful marketing concepts of all time. And really why I say the cool club is that you want to create different levels of engagement so that different people kind of are slotted into like, who's the biggest fan and who is right for the not your average investor show. We have the live call. We have the Facebook group that we go live on from the live call. And then we have the rest of the media that goes out, right? So if you really, really want to be in the cool, so at first we would promote just, we would only go live into the Facebook group because we were trying to pack it in. And that was what we called the secret cool club. So all of the, all of the micro content, the call to action at the end said, join us in the Facebook group. If you want to be in the cool, you know, we didn't say cool club in the micro content, but join us in the Facebook group. If you want to have these conversations in between the week. So we would drive people to the Facebook group. Once the Facebook group got a certain critical capacity to be legit. Now we were only going live inside the zoom thing and broadcasting, but we'd only answer questions from people inside the zoom call right so it's like you want to create this like ladder this this um yellow brick road right i think they call it at funnel hacking live to to closer and closer to the emerald city and you want people self-selecting into these slots of like oh i show up for this because i'm this i care this much and i show up for this because i care this much and that starts to draw in the community when you're driving those four levels of connection so that you're connecting people to each other so when they reach one certain level they're already kind of familiar with other people and they know who each other are they're talking in the chat because you're driving those connections they're hearing their name in the content they're hearing their name you know they realize that if they show up for a live call and you call them out maybe you're going to make to the micro content, right? That's that's what starts bringing the community closer and closer to you. And finally, the other thing in content is the discoverability, right? The ability to be discovered. Podcasts just aren't very, you're not easily discovered on, on podcasts, right? But SEO and YouTube, you are, right? So if the better you get at taking those lessons learned, right, from that text thing that you took out, turned it into a, a blog article, and then now increasingly YouTube, right? The YouTube, YouTube is now getting really good at categorizing their content in order, so, in order for, it to, for Google to understand what's inside the video. And you can now search for something on Google. And you know how like you search for something on Google and it'll give you the top three results? That top, one of those top three results can be the minute 52 to 57 of your one and a half hour video, right? So if you are really serious about the content pillars and you know what your audience wants and you can plan out your interviews to talk about these content pillars and you can, while you're in the conversation, make sure that you're bringing up these words. Now you've unlocked a whole nother level of discoverability that again, brings everybody closer to you. So this is another kind of visual representation, right? It's like you got the stage when you're interacting with a community, you're focusing on being a kingmaker, right? It's it's better to try to be a kingmaker than to try to be a king. Everybody that wants to be king will want to be your friend, right? As opposed to compete with you. The community with the content drives engagement, right? So the more that the community can see themselves in the content, the more engagement. The more content you create, the more value you create out of this stage, right? So if it's a very different invite to invite somebody to be like, hey, come talk to all my clients, then to say, hey, you're going to come talk to my clients. I'm going to blast it out to my entire email list. Afterwards, I'm going to give you a whole bunch of marketing material about you. And oh, by the way, you're not talking on a webinar. You're talking on the show, right? It, it adds, it's kind of like Jeremy telling me to talk at the Association of Influencers and Thought Leaders, right? Like it's the way that you position your stage makes a really, really big difference. So then let's move into the exercise since we blew over, since we blew over the time. Sure. Suggestions on building a Facebook group. Yeah, Nate, start. <laughs> right. So name, name your Facebook group for that ideal client persona that you want. 
have all of your micro content, have a call to action that is to go to your Facebook group and, you know, continue to hit your list, right? It helps a lot if you are, if you're having people register into your content creation stream, then you have their emails. So it's like getting people into Facebook groups. It's really about number one, what is the value prop inside the Facebook group? At first, you couldn't get inside the Facebook group unless, you know, you couldn't watch the content live unless you were inside the Facebook group. So that was the first value prop. Then it became whoever's the most active in the Facebook group, I'm calling them out in the content so that they see themselves on a stage. But the Facebook group is really just another stage, right? That's just another echelon there. So Diane writes in, as far as, as far as part of our marketing goes, are you suggesting that we should use something like welcome to business notes? I'm assuming that's your company. We are partners or whatever with the association of influencers and thought leaders, blah, blah, blah. The other thing you can do is Jeremy is looking for speakers to fill these roles, right? So if you have something to, that you can present on here, now you can just put in your speaker bio as seen on the stage of the associations of influencers and thought leaders, right? Like don't forget how much everybody uses the credibility of like as seen on Forbes, as seen on Bloomberg podcasts, psychologically, people don't realize like, if you're like, oh, as seen on the Not Your Average Investor show, as seen on the Chief Executive Connector show, it's just a logo, right? Like people love to see logos. So if you say as heard on the association of influencers and thought leaders, that's something. I want to add one more thing to that when speaking on places. Again, if you can get that piece of content, and most people will give you the recording if you speak, you can then repurpose that content and again use it to promote your channel, your process, your, you know, it's it's really all about being guilty by association. It's about people thinking you're greater than who you really are because you've been on stage with Lena. So I can say, Oh my God, I've been on stage with Lena. Do you know it's like and people are like, Oh my god, you've been on stage with Lena. And then people think I'm smarter than I am. <laughs> hey, hi, Pablo. Hey, Lena. Good to have hi. you on. Yeah, same here. So I would just like to, you know, share my uh, view over here. Being a millennial marriage coach and the first and the only last 2016 onwards, uh, when I started this concept and, you know, completely serious on this, what I've seen is this year onwards, like podcasting or collaborating podcasts have definitely helped me to move ahead. So I had this, I serve millennials, I serve married, unmarried, newly engaged. Let me, let me put it in this way. Unmarried, newly engaged and newly married millennials. Okay. I mainly, how to fix the marital issue, how to fix the marriage. That's what the newly married is, their concern is. And for the unmarried and newly engaged is how to get prepared for their marriage because they have, they are ready into celebrating their weddings but not their marriage. When the wedding turns into marriage the next day onwards, they are just not planned for that or they are not prepared for that. So it's, it's a celebration move, wave, you know, till the wedding. That's what I feel or that's what the experience says. So we have wedding planners. We, we do not have a marriage planner. Somewhere in that concept, I had a thought of a, a podcast in collaboration. So I have come up with cementing wedding with marriage. That's a podcast. It's right now in a regional language from India. And it's on Spotify, Apple, and Google. And we have got somewhere 6,000 plus downloads last three months. And that is how I'm seeing the value of the content. I mean, and also the, the work in collaboration. And uh, that's how we came up with the another, another, I mean, the podcast that is uh, Shadi Ke Bright Effects. That's Discover Va in Your Viva. Viva is specifically marriage in Hindi, in Indian language, but discover mm -hmm. your power in Viva. So I want to ask how to build a community, whether uh, the, I have to, I mean, gather all these members or the attendees or the downloads which you have got and build them into a community or do I have to specifically arrange one workshop or something like that? What it is, or any Insta Live. I regularly do Insta Live. I have started one month back, yeah. Sure. Lena, you got to, to build a community, you got to give them something to gather around, right? Like every, every community has a stage and a message and whatever you have, you have a great message, right? So you got to give them something to gather around, right? So, so the, the podcast as a one-way vehicle is a wonderful kind of like, you know, people that can self-identify. If everybody had in their earphones and said that they were listening to your podcast at the same time, they would know, 
but they got to have something to self-identify, right? That's why this this internet talk show, this whole like this whole idea of this one place that everybody can come to be a part of it, right? Becomes that critical part that creates community quicker. So for you, you don't even have to, you know, like there's many ways of doing it, right? You can have a weekly show or you can continue doing your podcast and then just say, hey, every fourth episode is going to be one where I'm going to like bring somebody on and we're all going to talk to them. And I want, I want you to join me live. Right. So like if you create like one recurring place that people can come meet you at, then those people will have a reason to come meet you there. And then from there, the community can start. But the key is give them a place to gather and allow them to see themselves in your content. Right. So like now when you have that, and let's say one or two people only show up, you're just talking to those people and you're mentioning their names in the podcast. So next time somebody hears your podcast, they're like, man, I want my name on this podcast. Like, you know, like I want to hear myself. Right. So like you, you want to bring people closer by giving them a place to gather and by letting them see themselves on the stage, whether it's hearing their name, whether it's bringing them up from the crowd to do a workshop and let them see you do what you do live in, in front of people. There's just value to that. And I'll add, I'll add one more thing because, you, you know, you, you're dealing, first of all, it's a brilliant concept. Like I never thought about the idea that people have wedding planners without marriage planners and the wedding lasts, you know, an Indian wedding about a week, uh, an American wedding about a few hours, but, but then it ends and then you have the rest of your life to be married. And it's like such a great concept to plan for your marriage. But I... I really think people will find it hard sometimes to be vulnerable in front of a live stage. So my suggestion is start with success stories. Start with people who went down the roller coaster and was able to come up on the other side stronger. That's a great story that people would want to share. You do a few of those because it also shares the vulnerable side. People will connect with that very, very well. It also proves a point, right? That if, that there is a way out, there is a way to do it right. There is a way. So sharing success stories, something we do in the Not Your Average Investor show a lot without calling them success stories, right? But we let people, again, the the content is always pre-selected, pre-defined in order to achieve a specific goal. And in your case, it could be A, showing that this could be successful and B, just letting people be vulnerable without just showing the bad side, but also showing the good side, which then will attract more and more people that are still in the bad, in the bad swing of, of, of the pendulum. And and Amanda has a really good question here in the chat. Amanda, I don't know if you want to come on and we can workshop this if you want to raise your hand, but she puts, if I start a talk show since ultimate sales machine is pretty well known, should I stay with that? And let's see, is that your hand being raised? Yeah. Let's bring her the mic. Let's bring on the mic. Hey, how are you? Good. Loved your presentation. Very interesting. Thank you. Cool. We got we got a call coming up so we can really contextualize, but let's let's talk Please. in front of everybody else right now, right? So tell us say the question yourself so you can add context. Yes. So I have a popular brand in a book, The Ultimate Sales Machine, and I'm just curious, would it be would it just make sense since that's so well known to make that be the name of everything, right? The mm-hmm. podcast, the Facebook group, or should it be something Uh, Like we used to, my father pre-podcast used to call it CEO Mastery Calls. Mm -hmm. And uh, because that's what the book is about. It's about, we have 12 core competencies for doubling sales. And it's just about doing those 12 things over and over and over again until you reach mastery. So, Mm -hmm. and he he never wanted the book to even be called Ultimate Sales Machine. It was actually supposed to be called The Pig-Headed Executive Wins Every Time. Pig-headed self-discipline, right? Like, yeah. Yes. That's that's what he wanted. And they were like, well, we'll never sell that book. So Ultimate Sales Machine it is. And the publisher won. But I'm I'm curious, you know, because the brand is there, you know, should I just name it that? So, so number one, Ultimate Sales Machine, hook point, right? Like that is, that is why the publisher called it, right? Like I want an Ultimate Sales Machine. I'm in, right? I would, I would tell you that calling, calling your content stream, the Ultimate Sales Machine it's kind of like buying your own Google search word of your own brand. Like you're you're not gonna you're not gonna capture any new demand. You're only gonna capture the people that are already looking for you. Like there's there's something great about opening up the tent to let people in and then driving them into the thing that 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 you want to sell. So I think I think your dad was right. I think CEO mastery is really what you're actually selling. Ultimate sales machine as a brand, you know, the the CEO mastery show allows you to invite 
very, very interesting guests, right? Um, Ultimate Sales Machine, yes, great brand, so want to be associated with it. But somebody that doesn't really see themselves as a salesperson may not want to come and talk, right? Like that, that, that might exclude them while like everybody that you want to talk to wants to be a great CEO. So I, I, I like I like the idea of CEO mastery or something along those lines or or finding business mastery or, or, or however you want to call it that allows people to self-select. And you can always put an ultimate sales machine show on the bottom, right? Like right. As, a, as like I, I wanted to suggest the same thing, right? I yeah. think the name of the show needs to be something like I wouldn't necessarily say CEO. I would use maybe leadership. So business leadership mastery, because then you don't exclude, you know, I could be an executive VP of sales of a huge company. I'm like, okay, I'm not the CEO. I'm not going to be on the show. It's not the perception you want to create. So I would say business leadership mastery maybe is, or something along those lines, but I will definitely leverage the the brand, right? So this is this mastery by the ultimate sales machine and then, or with, or something like this. And then, and then I think people who identify the brand or, and even people who don't will go and Google the brand like, oh my God, yes, I definitely want to be on the show, which is the best hook point you can have. It's like just, because you, you, all you need, and we tell that to our clients, like you need one huge guest, one that you know that you can pull a favor because after that you can get anybody. You don't even need that because you have the brand name. And if you leverage that kind of like in the back end, then it'll be easy for you to get whoever you want. Yeah. You, you, you're looking less for cachet of who you can land and more for wide audience self-select into, oh, this is about me. Because you have, you have that brand draw of you can pick up the phone and, and get some heavy hitters on no problem, right? Yeah. So, so again, lesson to everybody, it's, it depends on what you need most help with, right? Like if it's, if it's landing clients, you want to name it an aspirational name. If it's you have the brand, but you want to like open the tent to open up your marketing, increase your market cap, then it's all about widening the tent of, you know, so more people to self-select in. So I think that's a good call, sir. So, yeah, and you bring up a good point. I'll just add to it. When we partnered with Tony Robbins, our whole thing was business mastery. So my father and Tony created business mastery, right? It wasn't CEO mastery. It was business mastery. Now, when we parted ways he took that name so now i can't use it <laughs> but it would be a little weird <laughs> but uh, yeah the mastery is still the same i think that that's crucial executive mastery maybe instead of yeah. his leadership to be executive yeah yeah yes and and you know it, it it depends really what you're i i, I look at your brand and i'm gonna i, I want to dive into it more right but i i see you systemizing things right like i see you kind of like it is the systemization of all the different parts of the business ecosystem that really makes that book super special and 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 allows somebody to have a, an ultimate sales machine, right? Yeah. Um, and 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 somewhere in there, you know, people people always want to talk about money. They always want to talk about getting more time, and they always you know, and they want to talk about themselves, right? Like so so somewhere in there, there is there is the opportunity to to talk freedom, right? Like Tim Ferriss sold a four hour work week. Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily need to be mastery. It could it could be independence. It could be stress freeness, right? Like, but something to think about. Thank you. Cool. Awesome. Thank you. So Anybody much. else? To me, last words. I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go right back to that white community thing. I, I I went very sentimental to start because that's really what got me on this journey. But the truth of the matter is that the mindset of the consumer has changed. 10 years ago, 12 years ago, if you found out about a product, your move was to see if they have a website and see what you can find out about them and then go get on a call with a salesperson or Google them and see what you see on Google and go find out what you get as a salesperson, right? Our mindset has completely changed. Nobody, nobody wants to talk to a salesperson anymore until they know 90 to 95% sure that they want to do business with you. You need to be able to answer, is this interesting? People are only asking themselves this, is this interesting to me? Can I trust this person? And will it work for me? And if those, if those pieces of information aren't out there and they need to get on a call with a salesperson to, to, to even understand that part, you're not, you're going to have a really, really terrible rate of, you know, whatever your close rate is in person. Great. But that, close rate of getting them to the to the tank to to the table to talk 
it's going to be, it's not going to be good. And you're going to spend too much money on advertising. You're going to spend too much money on all the different marketing things that you're doing because you're going to assume that you have this like terrible conversion rate of getting somebody on the phone. Just think about how we think about just on a personal level dating, right? Like 10 years ago, you want to go on a blind date with somebody or like 20 years ago, like somebody had to show you the picture of somebody or like your mom told you to go meet them today. Nobody even goes to meet anybody for coffee without knowing exactly what they look like, who they voted for in the last election, how many dogs they have, you know, like all these different things. This is the mindset of the consumer. So you really, you really need to buy into the word of mouth economy, right? Nowadays, if I want something, I, yeah, I Google it, but I probably check out YouTube to see other people using it. I probably go on Facebook or LinkedIn and say, hey, is anybody using this, right? More often than not, I'm in a bunch of like marketing community groups. I'm going to go into a marketing community and say, hey, is somebody executing with this software or has somebody worked with this person, right? You need to enable people to, to be able to enroll in what you do without talking to your salesperson. That's why it's so important to create this community in order to, in order to have referrals from people that you've never met before. In order for somebody to say, oh, you have that problem? Here's a two-minute piece of content about my favorite person that talks about this, talking about that. You should go work with them, right? Like that's that's what community is all about now. It is the new business model. It is the future of business development. And right now, you know, like we're, we're heading into a future where just because we were on this call, who knows, you're going to get a Facebook ad served to you saying, oh, want to be an influencer? This, right? Like, is my phone listening to me? I don't know. Is the algorithm so good that it knows that I'm blah, blah, blah? I don't know. But we're headed towards this future where I'm going to look at ESARS. I'm going to look at ESARS microphone. My pupil's going to dilate. My Google Glass inside my eye is going to then offer me all these different microphones because I don't like the microphone that I have. And, you know, that's the future we're headed to. It's completely digital, completely automated. So the only thing that you can beat the machines with is community, right? Like people will not leave you if you are the symbol for why they're friends with other people, like look at Peloton, look at Harley, look at Apple, look at all these great brands. You can now do this. Tesla. Right? And te- look at Tesla, right? Yeah. Look at all these great brands, right? Like Esar doesn't shut up about his Tesla and all his friends are Tesla drivers and he makes fun of me for having a Honda. Anyways, that's it. That's the reason why community. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, let's go back to networking. The key to building your relationship flywheel will rely in your ability to design and build your own stage where you can have conversations with people, getting to know them, understanding their value, and sharing it to the world. This is the service that I offer, and I offer it to $100 million companies where we're setting record-breaking sales goals with it. If you want to know more about that, go to connectwithpablo.com. If you're just an individual that wants to build it, subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to my email list on my website because coming soon is a community where I'm going to teach this to you personally. Go to connectwithpablo.com.